The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. It's up, it's up, it's up, it's up, it's up. Welcome to Talk of Champions on this Friday afternoon, August 11th, 2023. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. Joining me is Chuck Ronsville. We both write for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, and a foot of on three. Patching Chuck in. Hey, buddy, what's up? Hey, man. Big day today, boy. We got to get a tour of the Manning Center and got to go to practice and um, got to interview the two coordinators. You know, Lane doesn't let us talk to any assistants the media that is and except once a year we get pete golden and charlie weiss jr and uh, a lot of revelation a lot of good stuff there was multiple ways in which it was a big day spencer sanders was not at practice we toured the manning center the media we got to walk through the manning center a walkthrough tour is up on the old miss spirit omspirit.com and food of on three and also i got to take a picture with an old miss helmet and a chain for like a recruiting picture yeah, and I, I liked your post on the board. It said, "God, I'm a doofus." Yeah, yeah. I, I've never seen I've never seen more truer words. <laughs> <laughs> hey, have I ever denied that shit? No. You know, no, let no. let everybody talk their shit. Yeah, I am a doofus, absolutely. But you ain't gonna tell me nothing I don't know. <laughs> you know, and I got to wear an Ole Miss helmet today. Fourth grade Ben is losing his mind right now. Oh, sorry, said the f word. Losing his mind right now, Chuck. It's crazy. <laughs> But other than that, what is your biggest takeaway from that meeting with Pete Golding and Charlie Weiss Jr.? Like you said, we're not going to get to talk to them again. Uh, that they're sharp dudes, man. Yeah. I mean, uh, they had great answers to to good questions and uh, very, very thorough people uh, really know their stuff. I mean, it, 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 they were, they're impressive guys. Yeah, they are. And Charlie Weiss now – um, has even more attention than he otherwise would have being the only time that we're talking to him because Spencer Sanders today at practice wasn't there, missing in action. It was just Jackson Dart and then number two, Walker Howard. Obviously, Austin Simmons is mixing in behind them, but the quarterback room changed a little bit today. Yeah, Spencer's having to complete a, a course to be eligible, uh, just one course. And before anybody jumps on what I'm saying, this will not graduate him. He will not graduate based on his course. This will just get him eligible. So um, that's 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 number one for him, get eligible. Do you think it's more likely that he's going to be an Ole Miss Rebel come football season or less likely? I mean, where are you right now? 
Oh, more likely. I think it's almost 100%. I don't think he can transfer unless he goes to FCS. He'd have to graduate to go to a, a, a you know a, a Power Five university. Um, I mean, he's he's here. Yeah. So it's either here or he's dropping down. And I can't see a player of his caliber dropping down to FCS. I really can't. Well, if Spencer Sanders' absence isn't the most concerning thing, what is for you out there right now? Um. Gosh, I tell you what, Ben, I don't have a lot of big concerns other than right now the health of the team. There's several key players that are out. I don't think any of them are out for an extended period of time, but I don't know that because we don't get a lot of injury information. Um, uh, but there's just too many too many players out right now uh, at a critical time. That's That's my only big concern. Ladarius Tennyson was in a boot today. He's been moved to linebacker from safety. What's the latest on that? Is it a serious injury? Yeah, it's an ankle, you know, and you never know. With mm-hmm. an ankle, it could be a week. It could be a month. You know, uh, everybody heals differently, and there are different types of ankle sprains. And um, it's, it's no break. It's no surgery, I was told. So, um, you know, we'll just have to wait and see how he responds to treatment. And Jordan Watkins, the Ole Miss veteran wide receiver, was in street clothes. What injuries are you concerned about as far as availability for Ole Miss's season opener against Mercer? Well, we hadn't seen anything of Zachary Franklin, that's mm. for sure. Yep. And, and the wide receiver that had his knee fixed when he got here uh, a week or ten days ago. Don't knee scopes typically take multiple weeks? Yeah, well, but again, it depends on the person. Yeah, it's a, yeah. It was a, a a quick fix of a meniscus tear, and I don't know how bad the tear was. I don't know how extensive the surgery was. So, who knows? I mean, he could be out there tomorrow. He could be out there second game of the year. You know, of course, Jordan Watkins and Larry Simmons, wide receiver, was making a, a push to be in the top six, and now he's got a groin injury, and that's that's not good. Uh, Ulysses Bentley has a has a pull of some sort, I think a groin pull as well. And he's, you know, not able to practice right now. He's, uh, and he's important. I mean, he's the number two running back unless Jam Griffin comes in here and beats him out. But I, I just don't see that happening. Um, Bentley is such an explosive guy. He, he's the speed back you need. And uh, Jam and Kedrick Riscano are kind of alike as far as I can tell. Um you know, they're not speed guys. They're good, they're really quality running backs, but they're not what you'd call speed guys. Quinchon Judkins, uh, Jam Griffin, and Kedrick Riscano are a lot alike as far as their style. Uh, Bentley gives you a whole different style. So I'm a little concerned about that, see if he's going to be all right. And, of course, Ladarius is, is, a, is a situation that you don't know how much longer it would take. And, of course, um, Tasia Young is a guy that I think can really help Ole Miss in the safety position because he's just so dadgum fast. And as Pete Golden said in his press conference today, speed is his number one, or he intimated that speed is what he's looking for more than anything because it's uh, you know a speed game now. And this guy, this kid can run, but he's had neck problems, and hopefully – Within a couple of weeks, he'll get his neck straightened out. And then Caleb Warren, the starting center, hadn't practiced a day yet. Yeah, uh, He's got a little minor knee injury. And, um, you know, Reese McIntyre's doing a good job in re- 
replacing him, but he's not the same caliber player that Caleb Warren is, and we need Caleb back. We need him practicing. We need him getting it, you know, back in shape and getting ready for an up-tempo offense in hot weather. And also it's notable because the depth there really gets thin early on in practice, the practice availability that we got just to watch them go out there and do their drills and stuff. Reese McIntyre goes down for a second, and who comes in behind him? A true freshman, uh, well, Bryson Sanders. True freshman. Yeah, and yeah. Bryson Sanders, who, like, he hasn't played center before. He's transitioning to that. So immediately, Jackson Dart, there's some snap issues because he's learning. He's a true freshman. So, yeah, I mean, those injuries start to pile up. That becomes a real issue. Yeah, no doubt about it. So I, I'm anxious to see a lot of these guys get back. And then, of course, I've got my fingers crossed. We've still got uh, almost three weeks left in preseason practice. And now I know they're going to cut back on the, the hitting except for a couple of Saturday scrimmages. Um, that's just the way they do things now. Those old two-a-day, grind it out, no. hit every play practice, those are a thing of the uh-uh. past. Now. The Wobble Nobody Davison does. days, yeah, those are long, long. Yeah, long, long <laughs> go, gone. Uh, but they're still going to hit a couple of days, and I just hope that they don't have any more injuries. That's, you know, new injuries, yeah. fresh injuries. Yeah, gotcha. All right, well, speaking of first-year Ole Miss defensive coordinator Pete Golding, formerly of Alabama, we caught up with him today for the first and only time in 2023, and here's everything he had to say following practice. Obviously excited to see you guys. Um, I hadn't been able to talk to you guys since we made the move, but uh, extremely excited about the opportunity uh, that Keith uh, presented and obviously working for Coach Kiffin. Uh, always excited to see new ways, different ways to do things. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of ways and football to win football games. So I've been uh, really impressed with Coach Kiffin, his leadership, uh, and learned a lot from him this spring. So I'll go ahead and open it up for questions. On y'all side of the ball is the most kind of turnover, a lot of new faces on that field, one through 11. Just what's the challenge just for you as a coordinator trying to get all that to mesh in such a short period of time? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing, having coached Division II, one AA, and mid-major, uh, very similar to high school. Like every year you really don't know what you have. Uh, and instead of trying to, hey, here's the system and try to fit the players to a system, uh, you really try to, okay, what, what do we, who do we have and what can they do? And then let's put them in those situations that they can excel in. So the hardest piece is when you bring in a lot of new guys, especially after spring ball, uh, and then you don't have them in the summer as far as going through everything 11 on 11, uh, is this fall camp's really important to them. Uh, and we got to take this first week, this scrimmage Saturday to be really big, not just from a personnel standpoint, but more importantly, of, all right, what can they do? Uh, and let's make sure what we're asking them to do things that they can do and not put them in situations uh, that they're not ready for. And so I think uh, that's, that's a little tougher than normal because uh, obviously a lot of guys that you even evaluate from a personnel standpoint last year on tape aren't here. And so uh, number one is knowing their skill set, and then number two, their football intelligence of how much can they comprehend and you know, how simple do we need to keep it based on their football intelligence. So it's tough, but that's what camps for. Uh, you're seeing him up close and personal every day. Just your initial thoughts. I know it's early of Perkins and what he brings to that position group in his early in his career. Yeah, I mean, obviously I recruited him at the last place as well, and uh, we knew, always knew he was a really gifted athlete. You know, I, I had him ranked as the top linebacker in the country. Uh, extremely explosive, um, really fast, got really good top-end speed, but his closest speed is really good. And I think it's a struggle for young players that haven't been in a college system, especially early, uh, transitioning to being behind the ball, stacking. A lot of his high school tape was off the edge or apex and having to read and diagnose the box. And, you know, the struggle for those guys is as you go through camp, you're installing a defense. It's a lot more than a game plan would be. 
And so obviously going into week one, you say, hey, here's our four calls that we're working when you're in the game and keep it pretty simple for him. But he's done really well. He loves football. He's a smart kid. Um, he's very engaged. He takes good notes. So I think he has an extremely high ceiling. We're excited about him. Earlier you briefly mentioned kind of the turnover, obviously. But um, when you first arrived here with the play defensive players that were here, what were your kind of the initial impressions overall of the roster that you initially inherited before other pieces were eventually added? Yeah, I mean, I, th I think the big thing is, is when you first come into a place, like I didn't look at what they can't do. You know, I, I try to take the guys that we have. There are guys. And what position can we put those guys that are already on the roster to be able to have success in the SEC West? And so I thought there was obviously some talent up front. Thought we had some size, thought we had some guys that had the ability to rush the passer. We needed to add more depth to that, uh, which I think we did with the spring portal. Uh, obviously, the back end was a little depleted from a number standpoint. Uh, obviously, we had some guys that, that have skill uh, that missed the spring, uh, which I didn't get to see kind of firsthand yet, and then had them in the summer and fall camp, and a lot of those guys are stepping up. So, um, you know, you take what you got, and you got to do the best you can with what you got, but we had guys on the current roster that are going to be able to help us win and play winning football. Appreciate the time today, Pete. Yes, sir. Um, I guess when a Pete Golding defense is playing really well, to the extent that you can, I mean, what, what are – on, on a micro level, what is happening that's allowing that to be the case? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the biggest thing in playing defense is, number one, you got to be able to play fast. Uh, you know, so like kind of our motto on defense is fast, smart, and physical. Uh, and it's in that order because I don't care how physical you are. If you're not smart enough to be in the right place, it doesn't matter. And then I don't care how smart you are. If you're in the right place, you're not fast enough to tackle the guy with the ball, it doesn't matter. You know, so number one, you got to get speed at all positions because – I mean, this, this is a game in space now, you know what I'm saying? And they're using the horizontal width of the field. So you got to get guys that can run uh, and then guys that can process because, you know, the difference between the college game and the NFL game is there's not unbalanced in the NFL. There's not formation into the boundary in the NFL. Very few teams are going tempo in the NFL. So you combine all those things, and that could be in one play, you know? So, you know, when guys are coming from high school and all those things, and they're not used to seeing that at the speed it is, and it's very easy to say, hey, let's keep it simple, which we're going to try to do. And then every time they line up in this, they know exactly what you're in, and they got coaches too, and they got good players too. So it's not always about having the chalk last, but it's them in the skies that make the same things look different and different things look the same so your guys can still play fast. And I think the big thing for us is not have a lot of our calls, all right, but just a few calls that we can line up, play assignment football, and be able to play fast. Yeah, I know you can't mention specific recruits, but Alabama, you are obviously very successful recruiting, you know, talented Mississippi players on defense, you know, like Brandon Turner, Byron Young, Jaheim Otis and all that. I know you have Mississippi ties yourself, but what kind of stands out just about, you know, some of these recruits in this state of Mississippi? I and mean, what do you feel like just kind of separates them apart? Yeah, I think number one, to be honest with you, is the mentality. Um, I think, uh, you know, I'm a coach in Texas and recruited Texas and things like that. They're starting a real program so much earlier, right? And their facilities and the amount of staff and the resources that they have, a lot of those guys end up, you know, reaching their ceiling earlier. And then you got some of these guys in rural Mississippi at certain programs that don't have a lot of staff, that don't have great wake programs, not because they're not good coaches, they just don't have the resources to do it. And when you get those guys with a high ceiling that aren't there yet, like they improve very quickly. And, you know, I've always appreciated just South football, but Mississippi in general, because I think a lot of times you get a really raw athlete that loves football, and it's also appreciative. I, I think it goes a long way, that five-star syndrome, when they show up to this place, they appreciate the team room. They appreciate the gear they get. They appreciate the opportunity to play in the SEC, and they feel like they've got to earn it and keep it instead of it's given to them. And I think that mentality goes a long way, and I think it carries over to defense. 
You know, that spot the ball mentality, put the ball down. We're going to play. I don't care if it's the parking lot, the playoffs. It, don't, it doesn't matter. Right, it's just who we are. And I think a lot of guys, that's ingrained to them at an early age in this state. At your last stop, you obviously had one of the premier pass rushers in college football in, in Will Anderson, one of the premier college uh, defensive players. Um, when, when you look at, at your defense and the way you want to run things, is there a guy on this team that you say, we need you to play that sort of role? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think you compare them to a guy, obviously, from a coaching standpoint. I think uh, systematically, based on their skill set, you try to put them in positions to have success. Uh, I think sometimes it's actually the opposite of that. And what I mean by that, when you have just a really elite pass rusher, number one, they know where he is at all times, right? Number two, as soon as you drop him or ask him to do something else, right, all y'all are saying, what an idiot, right? Well, why are we dropping the best pass rusher in the country? Because well, they're sliding to him every time and they're doubling him, all right? And we send two guys off the other edge, right? We got a guy come free. So a lot of times when you have that type of guy, you're trying to suit everything to him and put him in those positions, which the offense knows that too, right? They're going to game plan too. So I think when you have good football players on both sides, you're, you're not as predictable, you know, and, uh, and what you're asking to do. And I think the morale within the room, everybody gets a little bit here and there. And I think it allows them to practice harder, prepare harder, because they, you know, they know they're going to play. Now, don't get it twisted. I mean, it's, it's great to have an elite player. I think we have some really good players. It wasn't like Will came in as a freshman like that. You know, Coach Sal and those guys did a really good job developing him. And the biggest thing for him is, is his buy-in to the culture and to the system. And we've got a lot of guys similar mentality right now that are all in and want to do whatever they can for the guys in the room. And I think we'll have some guys step up in some of those roles this year. Pete, uh, John Sokoloff of WCBI, nice to meet you. Yes, sir, you too. Oxford. Um, you know, why did you ultimately end up deciding to kind of leave Alabama for, for Ole Miss? Uh, what was the kind of some of the bigger factors there? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's probably similar to you guys' work, too. Like, to me, having played Division II, right, and coaching Division II, like, my goal was always to coach in the SEC. And I think you get so locked in sometimes to a career, and you're focused on, all right, the next step, okay? And it was D2 for me, and then it was 1AA, and then it was mid-major, and then it was SEC, and then I want to be a coordinator in the SEC. And... When you're married and you got three kids, I think sometimes you lose the value of what you're really about. And so, I mean, having won national championships, a lot of SEC championships and all that, I still wanted to go somewhere to where my family could be more involved, all right, number one. But number two, you know, my wife graduated from Ole Miss. She was born and raised in Mississippi. My mom was born and raised in Mississippi. I played in Mississippi. This is my third stint in Mississippi. And so when you can go somewhere that's already had success, uh, that I think is very close to being, a, you know, elite, you know, year in and year out, and feel like you can have an impact to help that, especially on your side of the ball, while still being somewhere that your wife wants to be, that's always wanted to be, and still do what you love to do. Uh, I, I think that's special. I don't think it happens a lot. And, and I enjoyed where I was at. I learned a ton. It had nothing to do with Alabama. Uh, this was strictly based on trying to be a better husband and a better father. And, um, I mean, obviously working, working with Nick Saban and, and now Lane, I mean, have you seen any kind of similarities between the two? Any differences? <laughs> anything to kind of point out there? Yeah, no, no, a lot, to be honest with you, especially in a meeting format. Uh, obviously, they're both super intelligent. Uh, they both demand discipline in the program in different ways, you know what I'm saying? But they still demand it. But a lot of the mannerisms are, are very similar within the room. Uh, I think what Coach Kiffin does a really good job of, I think it's very easy once you've been in that place for a long period of time to go somewhere else and try to run it exactly the same. And it's not. It's not the same resource. You don't have the same people. It's not in the same place. And so what I, what I love about Coach Kiffin, you know, a lot of the things that, you know, helped Alabama get to where they are, we do. And there's, there's some other things in every program, not just Alabama, that are probably in spite of. 
right? I mean, you're going to win in spite of doing those things. And I think Coach Kiffin does a really good job of putting his own personality on the program and still not getting away from the culture and the foundation and the discipline and the toughness and all those things that you need for a winning program, but still having his own personality to do it. And so I think, you know, he and I both learned a lot from there. On paper, defensive line feels like it's, you know, kind of one of the deeper rooms, season rooms with key returners. How have you seen them adjust and adapt, not specific X and O's, but just to that four-man front and through spring and early in camp here? Yeah, I think, number one, I think Randall Jordan does an extremely good job in that room. Uh, I think he does a good job from a recruiting standpoint. I think he does a better job from a development and creating culture in that room. So I think uh, it's one of the better rooms, I think, uh, especially on our side of the ball because you know, who runs it? And I think we've brought in some good pieces to add to what was already here and a really good foundation up front of young guys that had experience, that love football, and that are very coachable. And so I think uh, by far it is the deepest position. I think obviously we got experience in the room that were starters last year. I think we added some pieces, some more size, some more girth uh, to be able to stop the run in this league. And then, you know, be able to add a couple pass rushers off the edge, uh, depending upon who you play. And I think the biggest thing, obviously, from a front structure standpoint that you kind of talked about, you know, a lot of that's based on who you're playing, you know, and what they're doing, what's the rhythm of the throws, you know. So I, I know they were on, you know, the previous coordinator pretty good bout about the eye man front, but a lot of those teams they were probably playing were quick rhythm, ball out, space, right, and then you're wasting a guy. So, you know, we're going to do whatever we need from a front structure and covers dictate on who we play. Uh, we're not going to go into it, hey, this is who we are. We're going to do what we need to do to win the football game. And so uh, they've adapted well. I think some of them, what we're asking them to do is much more natural positionally for them than what they were asking to do before. Uh, but, yeah, we're going to do whatever it takes to win the football game. Kind of going off of that, the back end of the defense, which, what do you feel like the evaluation is of, you know, that area of the defense right now with the safety quarters, of course, with John Saunders playing a little bit more safety in Tennessee and kind of moving up a little bit, kind of linebacker, all that. What do you feel like your evaluation is of that back end right now? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing, and this has kind of been my history anywhere I've been, like, in order to be able to play man-to-man, -man, you got to have guys that have played man. And so from we play with a 5-DB system normally in base down. So from a recruiting philosophy, we've always liked to recruit longer corners that maybe lack a little top-end speed for that position, but we bump inside. So there's going to be very few safeties that are going to be playing on our roster that didn't play corner, much less in high school, but more importantly, probably in college. Uh, because in this league, the matchup issues are primarily in the slot. And so if you don't have the ability to cover in the slot in this league, it's going to be a long night. And so if you've got to double guys with a quarterback run game and being down a guy, it's really, it's really hard to stop people. So the number one we were trying to improve was the length, right, and speed ratio in the room uh, to be able to have the ability to play man-to-man -man when you need to uh, and then be able to mix that up. But I think the experience of the John Signers of the world, the Dejan Anthonys, those were corners. They played corner where they were at, and they were starters, and they were good players, and now they're playing safety. Uh, so it's going to look like you got four to five corner body, long speed cover guys on the field that are still instinctive. Uh, so I think it's extremely important. Uh, I think Prince is playing really well right now. Obviously, I didn't get to see him in spring uh, because of the injury. So you know, I think we got four to five at corner that got size that have speed uh, that also have position flexibility. And I think it helps the safety room. Last one from me. Um, you were talk you alluded to per or Centurion Perkins earlier. You and Lane were obviously down there in Hattiesburg when Centurion Perkins single-handedly uh, won Raleigh a state yeah. championship. Uh, do you kind of see that as just kind of a full circle type thing? And Lane talked about that particular game being one of the best games from a recruit he'd ever seen on film or kind of in person and all that. What was your impressions of that? Yeah, I mean, I, I think especially I haven't recruited a lot of guys and coaching football for a decent amount of time. Like, I think, you know, you always hear the term competitive greatness. 
You know, and like that to me is like being at your best when your best is needed. And for the kid to show up uh, at the biggest stage that he had been in up to that point, to not leave the field, whether it's offense, defense, or special teams, uh, was pretty special. Uh, and then obviously, you know, to end it with a ring on his finger, uh, just kind of shows all his hard work, his dedication. That team coach does a really good job down there too. But like that's the guy you want on your team. And you know, regardless whether you're playing pickleball or basketball or football, like you want that dude. You're picking him first. And so that's what I always loved about him. And on top of it, he had a great personality. So, you know, those were those one-one guys, right, from a culture and production standpoint that are pretty rare. And so we, we got to do a good job of put him in the right place and keep it simple and, and let him be him. Pete, what adjustments, if any, do you have to make playing with the fastest offense in the country and you're on the other side of the ball? Well, it's a beautiful thing, to be honest with you. You don't love doing it day one, you know what I'm saying, especially when you got a bunch of new guys. But, you know, the benefit is of it is that we don't have to simulate it. You know, so it's very hard when you start playing up-tempo teams in practice to be able to get a scout team to actually simulate the speed of that and still be able to execute. So it's been awesome going against Coach Kiffin and Coach Weiss every day, not only how multiple they are formationally, you know, but the tempo that they play at. And it really allows your guys to have to focus beat them to the ball, get their cleats in the turf, and execute. Uh, and also makes you be a little more simpler on defense, which I think can help our guys, especially early, to get their cleats in the turf, see their key, and play fast. So, uh, no, it's been really good. Um, it's kind of a backwards approach to how old school ball was, hey, here it is, here's two back, here's one back, all right, and the progression of teaching a defense. But that's not football anymore. And, and so now it's very multiple. It happens fast. Uh, a lot of alternative formations. So the good thing about this is we see it every day. And nobody's going to do it faster, and nobody's going to do it better. So hopefully we'll be prepared for Saturday. Uh, Pete, just from talking to some of the coaches down there, it sounds like you spent a, a ton of time in rally, you know, recruiting Suntarian. Um, a hell of a little chicken spot down there in the gas station. <laughs> I tried it. It was good. <laughs> um, what's, what's your relationship like with him? And then once everything was signed and, you know, you knew you were coming here, he was coming here, did you all have a little bit of a moment? Because it sounds like you've got a pretty tight relationship. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think uh, uh, that was a very personal relationship. Um, you know, I'd actually, you know, was trying to actually talk him into signing in February, right? Because I, I was still not talking to anyone, but, you know, thought process of it was probably about time to make a move for my family. And uh, so I was like, hey, look, just hold off. Let's see. Because I, I didn't want him to sign with Alabama and me not be there, right? And then I also didn't want to tell him to sign somewhere else and I not go there, you know? So I was trying to kind of hold off. But, you know, Ole Miss did a really good job in the recruitment process. They did a good, good job closing late. But, it's just one of those things that, you know, everything works out and God had a plan and uh, it was one of those things that kind of meant to be. Um, but whether it's Git and Buck, yeah, we got a really good relationship. Uh, the coaches down there are awesome. So it worked out how it was supposed to. The older I get, the more I realize there are just some things I don't know. Balancing a budget, for example. I'm not a financial whiz. Sure, I know batting averages, passing and rushing yards, three-point shooting percentage. But intentionally putting away money for retirement? That's where my friends at NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast come in. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the financial world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning my tax bills so I don't dread April every single year. Actually, I was one of the first in line this time around. Saving on travel so that I can take my girls on trips. Because spending less on airfare means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. So enjoy the things you love, the Ole Miss Rebels, your family, your friends, knowing that your financial situation is taken care of with advice that you followed from NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. 
Listen to NerdWallet Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app today. Trust me, future you will thank you. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Are you ready for the Grove? Because I know I am. So join Lane Kiffin and your Ole Miss football rebels at Vaught-Hemingway Stadium this fall for the 2023 season. Order tickets now to participate in the seat selection process and to explore seating options. Visit OleMissTix.com, OleMissTix.com, or call the Ole Miss Athletics Foundation today, 662-915-7159. For Ole Miss football season tickets, it's time again to help lock the vault. The car buying process can be a lot. I know, I've been there. You just want to get in and out with a new car and the best deal. Simple. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford keeps it simple. They're going to take care of you, get you in and out with your new vehicle with a great deal. Their inventory right now is priced to sell. And what separates Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford from any and all competitors is they aim to address each of your needs with the utmost respect, care, and attention to detail. Contact them today at 662-234-8000. That's 662-234-8000. Stop by and see them in person at 2201 East University Avenue in Oxford. That's Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford to find your next perfect car, truck, or Jeep. Alan Samuels, let's be friends. Introducing the new and improved BNA Bank mobile app. From setting transaction alerts and tracking your spending habits to managing travel plans and turning off a lost or stolen debit card, you can take care of all of it in the new BNA mobile app. At BNA Bank, we know that life moves pretty fast, and we have the mobile technology to keep up with your life on the go. BNA Bank, local, invested, modern banking. Well, they're scrimmaging tomorrow. It's not open to the public, but we media folk get to go out there. What are you going to be most trying to like get your eye on? Oh, depth chart stuff. You know where where they're playing, who, and in what situations. I think that's that's the most intriguing thing about bringing in so many new faces is how they're going to mesh them, how they're going to substitute them. Uh, you know who can perform under different situations and. Uh, so that's that's going to be just mainly personnel questions is what I'll be looking at. Um, I'm, I'm anxious to see how the cream rises to the top and who the cream is. I think defensively I'm really intrigued because I was out there today like you were, and I looked out for the first team snaps defensively. Seven of the 11 starters were transfers, and I'm not saying that in a bad way. Oh, yeah, on that side of the ball, obviously 
the portal was the number one thing. I mean, uh, the existing players on on the roster were not going to get the job done. So they've gone out and gotten Samari Walton, cornerback, Deshaun Gaddy, cornerback, uh, Dewan Anthony, safety, the two linebackers, Monty Montgomery and Jeremiah Jean-Baptiste, Joshua Harris up front, Ukwu up front, <laughs> defensive end. Um, so, you know, th- those are, those are going to be key players and, that's what Ole Miss had to have for immediate help, absolutely. So after the scrimmage tomorrow, what's the schedule then become for Ole Miss moving forward as they prepare for Mercer on September 2? I think you'll see a little more of the same uh, for one more week, and then they'll get into game week stuff, preparation for Mercer. And I I don't know how much time they'll spend on Mercer. They'll probably spend a little more time on Tulane than they do Mercer before the first game, sure. be my guess. Yeah. But, uh, but uh, uh, you know, they'll get into game prep after this next week. So how are you feeling after now putting your eyeballs on them? Do you feel more confident, less confident? Coming in, I, I wasn't – well, let me put it this way. After spring training, I was not extremely optimistic about the team. Now that I see all the transfer portal people, all mm-hmm. the people that – did not go through spring, that are now healthy, uh, the whole ball of wax put together, I'm pretty impressed, and I'll tell you why. I don't think we have a lot of star power, but I think we've got good quality players at every position and quality depth at every position. Uh, and I think depth is king nowadays in the tempo world and, and, and how hot it is in the South the first couple of months of the season how many injuries, you know, you have and have to have somebody step up where you're, it doesn't drop off in your, in your production. So I, I'm pretty impressed. I, I, I would love to see a little more star power um, beyond Quinshawn Judkins, um, you know, but I just don't see it yet. Maybe it'll, maybe it'll surface. Trey Harris might be a guy. Uh, you never can tell. Uh Zamari, Zakari Franklin could come in and be a guy. Um, you know who else? I can't. I can't think of anybody uh, right now that I would consider star power. Maybe Cedric Johnson, the defensive end, if he reaches his potential. Uh, but I just think we've got a lot of quality football players, and I and I like that. I like that, and I think they're meshing well. I think the chemistry's good, and the competition's heated. Yeah, I wrote about it on the uh, Ole Miss Spirit message board, omspirit.com, to fill it up on three. Somebody asked me, like, where are you now optimistically? Like, what is your record prediction? And I said coming in, I was predicting nine and three, but I now feel more confident in saying nine and three with this team, having watched them. But you were reading my mind talking about the star power, because I agree. I was going to say, well, yeah, they've got the star power of Quinshawn Judkins, but he's by himself pretty much in tier one. Now, there's a bunch in tier two, and a lot of guys I think that could step up into tier one, like, Suntarian Perkins could break out and be a tier one guy. So could Trey Harris. But the reason why I'm optimistic is not because of the star power. They just have a depth of options that they just did not have last year. Because last year, if Michael Trigg wasn't good, who the hell are they going to play at tight end? If Jackson Dart isn't good, who the hell are they going to play at quarterback? It's a little bit different now. I mean, the way they went about the transfers and how they filled out the roster to supplement it, it's a pretty well job well done when you look at the personnel and put your eyes on it. Well, I mean, to illustrate your point, when uh, Trigg went down, they put Jonathan Mingo at tight end. <laughs> yeah. So, 
I mean, they didn't have another tight no. end. So, you know, now they've got Priest Corn, uh, Michael Trigg, even though he's kind of in the doghouse right now. He's still on the scout team, but I don't think that'll last much longer. He um, sticks out like a sore thumb on the scout team field, too. I mean, it's like, yeah, yeah. it looks like Yao uh, Ming playing basketball in China. Yeah, and he's since he got kind of demoted, he's kept his mouth shut, and he's working hard, and, you know, that's, hopefully that's he'll come around. Because yeah. I know people get tired of hearing me saying it, but he's as talented at his position as anybody on the team at their position, including Judkins, if he'll just play ball, grow up and play ball. Yeah, there's a guy, a Tier 2 guy, that could step up into Tier 1. That's a really good point, though. Like, the star power, you want to start to see that rise to the top. And I think you're gonna you're seeing that a little bit, potentially, with Trey Harris now that he's healthy. Because I was watching him today, and he's a number one option. He's a leading option for them in the passing game. And I'm anxious to see what Franklin can do. You know, I mean, he's he's a uh, Bolitnikoff Award winner, uh, preseason nominee. Um, you know, they don't hand that stuff out willy-nilly. I've never seen him, so I'm anxious to see what he can do. Um, Are we positive he's here? Oh, yeah, I've seen him. He's come out to practice two okay. or three times. Um, he's just rehabbing that knee. Yeah, because I know. saw Jordan Watkins were walking in the locker room, and he's just walking out there in practice. He was just chilling in the locker room. He's like, oh, I'll get out of the way, guys. What do injured guys do? They just wait to not be injured anymore, if you're curious. Well, that's not that's not entirely true, Ben. I mean, they've got – They've got what they call muscle beach out there, and if if you've oh, got yeah. a leg injury, they make you lift weights. If you've got a upper body injury, they make you get on a stationary bike. I mean, they make sure that you know you're not loafing, that you're that you really are injured, because some of them would rather go back to practice than go to muscle beach. Oh man, that is awesome. See, I was being snarky, and Chuck just laid down some knowledge. That's why we do these things. Any other guys that have stood out to you or surprised you with how well they played so far? I think Dejon Anthony has been a breakout. Not a breakout, but a guy that's definitely turned some heads. Been a surprise to me. Uh, I was told by some friends of mine that are still at Liberty um, that were here at Ole Miss prior to when, when Hugh Freeze was here that Dejon had a little trouble covering man-to-man. But I've been watching that real closely. They say he's will come up and strike you in run support and is very good in run support. But I've been watching that real closely, and he's holding his own in man-to-man coverage in uh, one-on-one drills and seven-on-seven. And he, and he looks really good in zone coverage. So uh, he's, been a, he's been a surprise to me. Um, you know, I, I'd have to say that uh, Ladarius Tennyson being moved to linebacker is a surprise. And I want him to get healthy quickly because I think he's the kind of guy that uh, – you know, reminds me of Bird Bryant. Um, Ooh, I like Ladarius. that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he'll, he'll come up and strike you. He's a little on the small side, yep. but uh, there's no fear there. And he, he's always at the right place at the right time. Um, let's see. Surprise, surprise. Oh, <laughs> well, I, I think Micah Pettis, if he can keep his head on straight, I think he can end up being one of the best linemen in the country Ooh. when all said and done. He's just a sophomore, but he's six seven two six three sixty, and got good feet. Nobody seems to get by him on on past brush drills, and he's got a he's got a little mean streak in him. I mean he's he started quite a few uh, tussles out there at practice, and you know uh, he's he's I don't know he's the kind of guy that I, I want in the foxhole with me. 
specialist because I'll probably forget to ever ask about it again before Ole Miss kicks off against Mercer. What's going on? So Caden Davis, the transfer from Texas A&M, he's probably going to do kickoffs. And then Caden Costa, he'll do place kicking. That's my guess. Okay. But I'll I tell you, they're, they're both good at the other, though. Costa's a good kickoff guy, and Davis is a good field goal guy. But I, I anticipate it being Costa with the placements and uh, Davis with the kickoff is what I'm I'm looking at. So who's returning punts and kicks? Uh you got Watkins, you got uh Aiden Williams. I like him back there. Yeah. And you got uh Bentley. Ulysses Bentley are are probably the three main guys in, in the return game. What's your prediction then record wise? I think the uh basement is seven and five and the ceiling's probably nine and three. I'll take that all day. I used to pray yeah. for the Motor City Bowl, man. I'll take that all day. <laughs> you know, it's a tough schedule. You know, it's yeah. a tough schedule. That's that's the that's the worrisome part of it. Uh, we need to get off to a big start, you know, and and uh, get get our feet under us and get a lot of things settled personnel wise. Let the coaches figure out who can do what, and where, and what, what best, and uh, then we can roll by the time we go into Alabama. He's Chuck Ronsville. I'm Ben Garrett. We're both right for the Ole Miss Spirit. OleMissSpirit.com and Fleet of On 3. Thank you, my friend. We'll do it again. All right, brother. Look forward to it.